Welcome to It's a Sublime Life. Inspiration on living an excellent life and seeing the beauty already in life. You can find It's a Sublime Life on most social media platforms. Just search for It's a Sublime Life. She's the director of Urban Wilderness Company and she's arranging the Forest Worlds Festival, which is going to happen shortly. Um, do you want to introduce yourself a bit and maybe talk about what makes life sublime for you? Oh, lovely. Um, thanks for having me, Hayley. You're and welcome. Um, the work that I do is maybe all about trying to um, bring out the sublime elements of life, the things which matter. Um, um, it's one of the things that um, we're really passionate about, actually, is connecting young people with nature, um, but seeing nature as not something big and grand or expensive that you've got to go out and visit, but noticing the nature which is on your doorstep. So whether that That's be... Really a nice, and a nice thing to do, isn't it? And you're right, you can, put, you can uh, pay a lot of money to go outdoors in these lovely places, but actually, yeah, looking on your doorstep is... A yeah absolutely and I think what that gives children is a, um, a really meaningful relationship with nature it's not something like you say that you have to do you have to be in the car for half an hour to go and see nature um, it's something that you notice that there's a dandelion growing through the cracks in the pavement in front of your house or there's a particular tree that you notice on your walk to school and you see it every day and you see how it changes and grows and I think that gives children a much deeper relationship with the natural world I wonder if you could maybe talk um, more specifically about this Forest Worlds Festival? Yes, please. <laughs> the Forest Worlds Festival is going to be loads of fun. Um, we've been working with a group of young people in Central Forest Park. So that's a city park which is you know public accessible to everybody. It's really big actually, um, but doesn't all the elements of it don't often get used. So we've been exploring it with the young people and we have asked them to work with us to design a festival. So the young people have come up with the name of the festival, which is Forest Worlds. They've come up with the theme, which is Colour the Park. They want it to be bright, they want it to be fun. They like the idea of uh, discovering different worlds as you explore the park, things you might not have thought of before, and sort of seeing the magical um, in what is an everyday sort of urban park. Um, the festival is funded by um, the Arts Council and the um, and the Lottery, and what that means is that it's free, so it's free entry. Um, That's a massive plus. <laughs> yeah, there's um, all of the activities. We've got lovely activities there. We've got the entrepreneurs who are going to be uh, painting a graffiti wall. Young people can join in and paint that with them. We've got um, B Arts doing their little school of improbable cooking, so kids can be outdoors and baking. Um, there's going to be amazing sporting activities run by Be Active and all these things are going to be f for free so there, there's no need to worry about you know how much money's in your pocket just come out spend some time in the park watch your kids run around and have a lot of fun mm -hmm. um, and we're hoping what that offers parents is um, the time to just sort of enjoy being outdoors with their kids um, and to also sort of notice the 
maybe different things that their kids are doing that they wouldn't have thought of doing with them before in the parks. We're offering lots of different kinds of creative and making workshops to give parents ideas of stuff they can do with the kids. And also time to just meet and talk with people who maybe you wouldn't have had time to talk to before because I think uh, one of the things that we, um, well, one of the ways we describe what we do is um, placemaking. And what placemaking means is to create places where we all feel welcome and we want to spend time and present opportunities for people to get to know each other who might not otherwise have had, you know, their paths might not cross, there might not be the opportunity to have a conversation. And I think all these things just um, create a sense of belonging, which I think is what... What a lovely sense of community. Yeah, exactly, which is what communities really need, I think, particularly at the moment, to feel like they belong in public spaces and they feel safe. Uh, with the people around them and they feel understood and feel that we're all in it together and I think yeah yeah that's what (laughs) is it do you have to be from Stoke to come and enjoy it do you have to be from Stoke you can be from outside of Stoke no one's going to check your postcode (laughs) (laughs) but I will say so no one's going to check your postcode anyone can come it is free for all and all are welcome um Central Forest Park uh doesn't have a lot of parking so we are promoting it heavily to people who live within walking distance. We've been working with schools in the local area and we will be heavily publicising it to people. There's a lot of residential housing in that area. Mm-hmm. So um, when we talk about transport and how you're going to get to the festival, we're advising people first of all to walk if they can. Mm-hmm. Um, we're also going to share with people the cycle routes they might take to get to the festival to encourage people to cycle. Wonderful. Um, and then bus routes as well. We'll make sure that we've we share with people different bus routes they could get there and obviously some people will have to drive to get there but um we're advising that people park in the Hamley multi-story car park so that we're not putting sort of extra pressure on the residents in the area because we don't want to make a negative impact on people oh, living okay. there okay um, although i will say there's a proviso in there that obviously it is for all and if anyone has mo- mobility issues then we will reserve some uh, disability parking spaces so everyone can get there safely What's the date then of the Forest Worlds Festival and the time and address? So Forest Worlds Festival is going to be held at Central Forest Park. Postcode for that is ST16BD. It's walking distance from the centre of um, Hanley. Um, it will be running from 11am to 4pm. It's free entry. All the activities are free, so you don't need to worry about that. Uh, it's on Saturday the 27th of July which is the weekend after the kids break up from school. So they'll have a week off school to recover, and then they can come and have a big party. The theme of the festival is Colour the Park. So we're asking people to come in their brightest, most colourful clothing, (laughs) anything they like. (laughs) Should be a spectacle. (laughs) Yeah, there will be... um, there will be catering vans there, so if you want to buy food while you're there, you can. But we are also um, suggesting people just bring a picnic if they want to. Bring a picnic blanket, bring your own snacks. It's completely up to you. Wonderful. Sounds super. What other sort of things um, does your company do? So we... Um, so the... Events is one thing that we do, and like I said, that's about doing a big public um, place-making event, which sort of changes the way a community feels about space. Uh, The other thing that we do is we do workshops with young people, and those are about, that's where um, youth-led 
is another thing that we use to describe what we do. Uh, we make sure that young people are leading our decisions because we think that, to be honest, young people make really good decisions mm-hmm. and they generally, um, they sort of see through all the other things which you know pro- adults might think of as problems or we're too business-minded and practical-minded, whereas kids seem to sort of cut to the core of things like what makes a space a nice place to be. Um, they're also very compassionate as well about sharing it with other people. So we, um, the work we do is sort of improving spaces and communities, I suppose. So the, the communities we're working with and we're funded to work in are always in very deprived areas where there aren't a lot of facilities or access for um, activities for young people to do. And maybe there aren't many public spaces where the community come together and feel safe and get to know each other. And so we work with groups of young people from schools or sometimes on weekends um, and we do these exploratory sessions where we look around the area and we um, discover new spaces and the young people say what they think should happen in those spaces. (laughs) Um, It's kind of a a long process, Mm -hmm. it's spending a lot of time talking and listening to young people about green spaces in the areas they live and what they think could happen there. And what we'll do then is we then take their advice and their suggestions and if we don't have the skills ourselves, which we often don't, <laughs> especially mm-hmm. if they include building things, uh, then we go and we find a specialist who can do that and we will then um, build. So say they want to create a social space, we um, will bring somebody in who can make benches and uh, we've got a wonderful guy called Martin Evans who, who comes in, he'll literally chop down a tree and then bring it and do a workshop building benches with young people where they take the bark off it they split it in half they make the whole thing and and put it in place Mm. so they've created a space where they can meet and socialize with their friends beautiful how long have you had the company and what made you kind of think right this is the company that i want to start what is it in in you that's kind of led to this so the company is actually really newly established um, in December 2018, we set it up. Um, and that is based on having spent about three years doing work, which now I've done it, I call it a research <laughs> research project for three years. But what it was doing was really following my nose <laughs> um, and getting little pots of funding to test projects out um, with young people and taking them into these disused spaces. Um, and finding out what they wanted to do there. Um, And when I first started doing that, um, it's because actually I have a background in the arts. I'm a conceptual artist, really. I used to work as a teacher, um, and then I had children, and I didn't go back to teaching. Actually, my husband got some work abroad, and we spent a couple of years in Australia, and I had a very young family and no support network around me. So it wasn't possible to work. So I thought, well, this is a good opportunity to get back into my art practice and find out, um, find out what's important to me. What, yeah. Um, and because I've been teaching for so many years and telling sixth form students how to do their art projects, I thought, well, I'll just do take my own <laughs> advice that I've been giving kids, <laughs> and I'll just start doing that. It was really good. Yeah. <laughs> um, so. I basically just went through a process where I we didn't have much money and so I was drawing on um, our packing boxes 
Um, and I didn't have much time because I had little kids. So whenever I had a moment, I would just look outside or I'd just go for a walk and just record whatever I saw that I thought was interesting. And I just took a sketchbook with me wherever I went mm. and thought, I'll just see what I find interesting. Because uh, it was a new environment and I say it's about getting sort of settled. Um, and the things that I was drawing ended up being buildings and ended up being birds and um, children. And from that then I started to um, come up with like a story around what's happening <laughs> between these three elements. Yeah. And I came up with this idea called the feral state. Okay. And the feral state is a story in which children um, are called on by the birds who come tapping at their window and um, they escape their um, urban homes. So they leave home and they follow the birds and they return to the wild. And when they're in the wild, they become feral. Which means... <laughs> <laughs> and this became oh, like really exciting. <laughs> yeah. So I, I sort of just started building this world around me, this sort of made-up fantasy, and that's where my logo comes from. That's a child gone feral. Oh. So she's got <laughs> she's got a bob haircut, but she's got antlers. Um, <laughs> and I was I was painting. I'm a painter, so I started painting all these, um, putting together all these images. So they always had a building, and they had a bird, and they had a child in it, and they started to get sort of wilder and wilder. Um, and then when we moved to Stoke-on-Trent. Um, I thought, what am I going to do with this now? <laughs> because it's quite a different setting. And I thought, you know what? All that time I was spending thinking about this, um, this story, I'd been really focused on escape, actually, for some reason. <laughs> I don't know. But this idea of escape and escaping yeah. your, your life and returning to the wild. Yeah. But what I'd never really... I hadn't really been able to figure out was what happens when the kids get into the wild space. And I think that's the root of where I started doing work in Stoke because I thought, what oh, would happen yeah. if a group of kids who've grown up in a city um, are returned to a wild space? If they go to a wild space, how would they react to that? What would that feel like for them? Wow, what an amazing would they be journey you've taken <laughs> to, to get to, to, to here to this company. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. yeah. So it's it's it, it has a um, a clear pathway, and um, and I didn't know when I first took the kids. Um, it was Middleport. I worked first of all with the kids, taking to them to this disused section of canal called Burslin Port, and it really was an experiment just to see are they going to look at me and be like this is boring, <laughs> <laughs> or are they going to say we do this all the time, whatever. Mm. but they didn't they I'd actually arranged for some art workshops for them to do because I thought well they'll want to do something so we had lots of art workshops laid on for them but what was very clear right from the start was that um, they were enthralled by being taken on an adventure yeah. and and that was something which was really missing from their lives and yeah, there's... adventure is a big part of it it's huge isn't it I yeah know, I know my favorite <laughs> sort of one of my favourite childhood movies is about adventure going on an adventure just yeah. with children no adults <laughs> that's it and that's what we tapped into I'm like gosh that's they they honestly I said we, when I realised that I started asking them going oh do you often go on adventures and the vast majority of them would say this is the only time I have this is the first adventure I've been on and I yeah. thought okay there's something here yeah, <laughs> yeah. there's a need yes. here and you're right because 
children don't have that sense of freedom anymore where they are let out of the house and are on their own, you know, it, yeah. going wherever they want to anymore. We kind of keep them in the house with us until they're, you know, 13, 14, 15 sometimes, isn't it? Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And the interesting thing is it's a generational thing. So mm-hmm. like you say, our generation was still allowed out until dinner time and just expected to come back for food. Mm-hmm. Um, and so we have been investigating sort of why this happens. So at the, on one level, we're trying to provide this for children, this sense of freedom and adventure. Mm-hmm. Um, but what we've um, realised by talking to lots of people and the families um, and the PCSOs in the areas that we work in who are really helpful, um, is that things have changed so fundamentally <laughs> in the past 30 years that there are real there are real reasons, there are real barriers to children being allowed out on their mm. own to have these adventures. So I think that's why, again, we've sort of that's why we've grown into a company because there is a need and there is a need for um, somebody to come in as a facilitator to enable the young people to safely yeah. start stepping into those spaces. And I think the more um, activity that starts happening in these spaces in the green urban spaces the more families are using them the more young people are using them the safer they'll become but at the moment they're not actually that safe so we have when we'll go to an area especially a disused green area we always have to go litter pit beforehand and we do find needles and we do find you know evidence of antisocial stuff that Mm. happens in these spaces um and so that is a genuine reason why we, you know, we're not advocating everybody just suddenly saying, "Oh, kids should be mm. free," because the world, yeah. unfortunately, isn't quite like that. But I think um, what we are advocating <laughs> is this um, is a bit of a mission, really, saying, "Well, let's let's think about how we want things to be in the future and if we want kids to have freedom and be able to go on their adventures on their own in the future then we as adults need to make those spaces safer for them and we need to start occupying those spaces more and we need you know the more that they're busy people don't want to go and take drugs somewhere where it's busy (laughs) they don't want to the the more negative things which do happen in these spaces so we're not you know, we don't have rose tinted glasses about these spaces. There is negative stuff that happens there. Yeah. But it's generally stuff that happens because it's a hidden and secretive space. Yeah. And what have you found are the barriers that have stopped people um, before now doing exactly that, coming into these spaces and occupying them rather than... I think maybe there's just a... Um, I think maybe... The work that I've been doing has just coincided with a bit of a cultural shift. I think there's been a lot of research come come out recently that children are spending too much time indoors. There's a lot of um, public awareness around that, around the fact that children are spending so much time on screens and, and are suffering from mental health. Um, and all these things are starting to be linked up and joined up together. So I just don't think until now that it's really been seen as as an issue I I think it's just starting to be recognized and especially like by the majority of people the majority of parents that we talk to all say that what they want is they want um something 
some way, some offer for the kids, which is better than sitting at home watching YouTube. And they really want activities. They want to be offered something to their kids. Mm -hmm. But, um, you know, you can't just drag your kids outside. It kind of, it's got, there has to be some kind of movement where you're like, yeah, let's go to the park because it's fun because (laughs) there's going to be other people there and Mm -hmm. I know what we're going to do. So it's about just sort of igniting that a bit, I think. Yeah. Um, what are the barriers, do you think, of parents? I mean, obviously, we've just mentioned there has to be something to, to draw them out. Um, but have you noticed if there's, even if there's something to draw them out, are there still barriers there uh, that you have to overcome with them? Special work that needs to be done around just creating an event? Um with the children uh, with the jo- uh, or with well them. I suppose I was thinking more of the parents but yes the children as well they, what barriers do you have to overcome besides sort of putting on an event what yeah I think one of our things is communication and so that people know what they're coming to mm. and I think that there are still um, concerns amongst parents about um, safety mm-hmm. and risk and mm. I think that's another sort of issue which is um, growing in in sort of um, public awareness is about this thing about risky play mm-hmm. and that actually by um, stopping your child from taking risks you're actually increasing their anxiety about mm-hmm. uh, the world so that so you, and you can totally understand why parents want to everyone wants to keep your children safe mm-hmm. um, and if you think that something might be a bit risky you might not want them to take part in it. Mm-hmm. So there's that element around the idea that um, being outdoors and doing sort of wilder activities might not be mm. safe. There's, um, see parents, everyone's work time, everybody is really, really restricted on That's their time one, at Huge. the moment. So I think... You know, again, we've been talking to lots of parents at the moment and I was sort of talking to them down at the Etruria Canal Festival. Um, we had an event there and there was lots of kids involved. We just had a giant pile of boxes and the kids were just allowed to make whatever they wanted out of it. So it was really good fun. And what that meant was that there were a lot of parents who were having to stand around for an hour while their child played with cardboard box. So we got to chat about um, the activity and whether they would like more of these kinds of activities for their kids to take part in. Um, and when we start talking about like when when would that work practicalities like when's a good time to do this it's difficult because mm-hmm. so many parents are working so you're working and your kids going to school mm. maybe kids going to after school club and then you know it, everything gets squeezed doesn't it yeah. and a lot of kids are also taking part in sporting activities on the weekends so mm-hmm. it's difficult isn't it to find time yeah. to have um just free free space where there's nothing booked in and you're just going to be outdoors and just let whatever happens happen mm. and i suppose you, you and i have um sort of put a qual a quality on being active mm. um, my background is you know i teach yoga and health and sports and fitness so of course i'm going to have that same mm. desire for my children to be healthy in that way do you think everyone does and are there ways to get over that to to communicate that with them to help them understand 
maybe this is a, a big part that they need to look at? Mm, I think, um, well, yeah, exactly. I think um, a lot of it does come down to value. Sort of, and we've done a bit of work around that. Like, like who va- what do you value? <laughs> How do you value things um, against other things? Um, and so I will say that this is it's not a um, class or monetary issue at all, this sort of lack of access to mm-hmm. outdoors. You can, you know, you can have very wealthy families who are like scheduling their kids in because they want them to achieve academically and they're letting them have no free time outdoors, mm-hmm. as well as having families who are really struggling mm-hmm. and just aren't able to sort of facilitate that or see that that would be a thing that they could do. There mm-hmm. are definitely some of the parents of the, well, so we were doing some work with kids from um, who go to a school which backs onto um, the Forest Park, and there was when I was talking to one of the teachers. There's certain kids whose houses are literally on the park, but the parents don't take them to the park, mm. and there would be a number of reasons for that, um, which might be to do with safety, but also that they just don't see it as valuable, a valuable mm. thing to do um, mm. that would be of benefit. So. But having said all that, I think that's why we do work with the young people, because young people are our biggest advocates. Because if you've, and we do work with schools, so that it doesn't, it's not up to the parents to have to take their children to these opportunities, that we can reach children who otherwise wouldn't be, um, wouldn't be taken to these places and introduce yeah. them to these activities. And then they become the advocates. So they then go home <laughs> yes. and are bouncing off the walls and saying what an amazing time they've had. Then yeah. they're the ones doing the, um, yeah, doing mm. that sort of change of value, and and also if they can see if the parents can see that that is ex- as exciting for them as playing on the Xbox, which is another question that we've asked the kids quite a lot, is about <laughs> like what's better, this or video games? And luckily they all say <laughs> being outdoors. <laughs> Don't think we've come across one yet who's said video games, but. Um, so I think that's really interesting we did have so one case study um, was we were working with YMCA Go and we did an activity in Central Forest Park last Easter they brought a bunch of children on a bus to us we didn't know anything about these children they just came along and they had a great time and that was the end of it but then after that when I was talking to um, the person who'd organised it from YMCA uh, she she shared with me, which she hadn't shared with me before, but said one of the children who came actually had a really serious um, computer addiction. Oh, uh, right. So it was addicted to playing on the Xbox and addicted to it to such an extent that um, his mother was a single mother. She was having, you know, she was paying so much that she'd put her foot down, said she was going to stop paying. And he, you know, he lost his temper, he got physical, he got angry, he was throwing stuff at her. So kind of very difficult mm. to deal with. As, mm. Like, how do you deal with that yes. as a parent when your child's behaving like that? Yeah. Um, so he came, after he'd been on um, our activities outdoors, he came back and he was bouncing off the walls about it because he'd never been outdoors and with a group of friends and young people and just doing all these different activities. And I think what the thing which made him laugh the most was like one of the... Um, uh, youth workers who was with them it was really muddy that day and she'd like slipped over and she'd fallen on the mud <laughs> <laughs> and this was like the most hilarious thing that had happened like and he just wouldn't stop talking about it um and we sort of thought yeah right there, there's an offer isn't it it's something better yeah yeah it's a real life experience and it's, it's about adventure it's about mm. laughing at someone because they've fallen over in the mud 
Um, and following on from that then, the YMCA were then able to um, offer various other outdoors activities which he took part in. So he went away with them on a residential adventure camp. He, you know, he'd mm. suddenly changed in his mind from thinking, I'm a gamer, that's me, to being, oh, you know what? Yeah. I love being outdoors. I'm going to do more of that. If anyone offers it to me, I'm up for it. <laughs> well, well done. Yeah. And, and the whole thing that you're talking about is so much more naturally human than sitting down and playing a game for for long, yeah. long periods at a time, isn't it? Yeah, I think yeah, the universal human thing mm. is interesting. I think that's at the core of what we're doing. I think we want. Um, yeah, I think that's at the core of what we're doing is trying to um, finding these core things which um, join us together as humans. And I think that that's maybe another thing that goes back to motherhood, that once you've, um, you know, once you've had a child, you realise that actually um, every, <laughs> everyone else on the planet who's had a child, you've got this shared experience. And actually that's where uh, shared values, I think, come in as well, which just go beyond, you know, where you're born, where you live, how much money you've got, that we all care about our children. And we do have this sort of sense of shared values and we can see joy in our children and that that gives us joy um, to be around that. Um, So I think this is just a really lovely way that... um, yeah, there's this universal kind of experience that we can bring bring together people with. How can people keep up to date with what you're doing, what the company is doing? So, um, specifically, the Forest Worlds Festival has its own website, so you can just tap that into the internet, forestworldsfestival.com. That has got information about the festival, the programme. It also has got a volunteer with us. Um <laughs> volunteer with us person on it uh, because we really need lots of it. it's going to be a big festival there's going to be loads of jobs to do they're going to be fun be supporting workshops artists dressing the site so um, if you're interested in getting involved then it just be probably two hours of your day on the festival day and you get a free t-shirt so that's <laughs> yeah. something really valuable someone can do yeah really valuable it's a really nice way of, sort of getting involved and um, meeting new people, learning new skills, and sort of maybe feeling more confident about running similar kind of stuff yourself if you wanted to. Uh, we then have got our um, Urban Wilderness, CIC.com website. So people can find that online. We are on all the social media channels. So Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter as Urban Wilderness CIC. Um, and we are yeah, regularly sharing um, updates and projects as they happen. We are going to be, um, well, we are building a network of um, individuals, organisations and volunteers who we want to work with on a regular basis. Because now we have this um, three years worth of funding from the National Lottery. That really means that we can do some you know, really get embedded in the communities we're working in and have um, long-term projects. And all of our projects, we always try to build in a legacy element as well. So a lot of it is about um, build upskilling people that we're working with or just giving them the confidence that they could, um, you know, do the same kind of work on their own. 
sounds all sounds amazing. I mean, like, <laughs> some of these things, um, you know, I, I didn't know before. Obviously, we 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 know each other and spoken briefly and and different things, but it just sounds absolutely amazing. And um, do you work? with are you this kind of main director or you are there other directors or other people well there's uh three directors mm-hmm. um so there's myself and then there's isla telford and jenny harper mm-hmm. and um, we've all been working in um Stoke-on-Trent for the past few years working with different arts organizations working on different community projects um, we're all friends <laughs> and we helps. all have uh, which helps and uh, we all have children all about the same age so I think we kind of have this real um, shared passion and understanding for the project on a personal level um, and then through the different work that we've done we've kind of built up really nice supportive networks with various communities and other arts organizations who've really supported um, us, us to grow so although it might look like we've just sort of appeared <laughs> underneath it there's um, an awful lot of um, you know relationships uh, good advice um, different projects that we've worked on which have all fed into yeah. what we're doing now yeah. um, it's interesting how sick companies kind of obtain their funding did you get a specialist in to kind of apply for all the apply for your funding that you needed from all the different areas that are possible you know doesn't obviously the lottery and mm. but other, other different places no <laughs> no we <laughs> no, did it all yourself <laughs> we've done That's it amazing. all ourselves <laughs> So like I say, it hasn't come from nowhere. So for three years, I've been running um, projects under the name Feral Spaces. Mm. And so with that, I accessed smaller pots of funding from um, the Arts Council, from the Big Lottery and from local sort of funding and the City Council. Um, and I applied for those little funding pots. Okay. So you sort of build up relationships and, yes. and a bit of an understanding there. Um, and then Isla, our other director, she's actually excellent <laughs> writing funding bids. Um, but she's worked for B Arts and um, she runs the Live Age Festival, and so she's and which is with the New Vic. So she's gained a lot of experience in sort of what the funders are looking for. Um, and how to apply to them. But um, I will say very impressive. That yeah, the. Um, it's, it takes a lot of time. And now I'm, I'm, I'm aware of this. I did a little course at, at university on CSC companies. Um, and, you know, I'm aware that there are companies that are in existence that uh, do just that because it is so time consuming and um, yeah. so particular. And they get paid in their own right to do that specific job because it is everyone's got their different type of application form you have to do things you have to do there's often a business plan there but it's yeah it's very <laughs> impressive that you've uh, that you've all done it yourself that's amazing well it's a bit i think because we've um <laughs> 
little bit control freaky about it, <laughs> but that we really care about it. So we want to make sure that it grows in the way that we want it to grow and that we're sort of in charge of its story. Yeah. Um, Jenny Harper, who we work with, um, you'll have seen her at Restoke Little Folk. She does the photography there. Oh, yes, so she does photography of lots of different projects and she's photographed um, the work that I do, worked with me since I started. Mm-hmm. Um, so so we ha- <laughs> we're quite obsessed with documenting everything. We've got ridiculous amounts of photos because we photograph everything we do. Um, but we kind of are a bit controlly about wanting to control the story around what we're doing. And also being quite small means that you can kind of respond to um, opportunities as they come up and sort of, you know, you tell a slightly different story about what you do for different funders. But I have to say that working with the big lottery for this Reaching Communities funding, although it's been lots of hard work, they've been absolutely amazing. Um, And they've changed the way that they work as a funder. And so in the past, they would have sent you like an enormous pile of paper for you to fill in. (laughs) Then you'd have sent it off crossing your fingers, but not really knowing. Um, Whereas now it's this... um, this guy Tom Pine is like a regional officer, which I don't think Stoke-on-Trent had before. So he lives in Stoke-on-Trent. He knows the area and he gets to know the projects. And so he actually came to um, a workshop that we ran last summer. And in fact, he sent his son on our workshop. <laughs> so he had like an in, inside yes. spy. Um, and then we had a conversation after that. And he was asking about, you know, how what we wanted to do, what we thought how we wanted to yeah grow what we thought we were offering mm-hmm. um and we built up a relationship with him and through conversations with him he then advised us about how we could apply for this funding yeah. and it was a lovely kind of reciprocal uh, relationship so then we we put information together and there was no funding application which is quite scary in a way there's no boxes to fill in you mm-hmm. just have to answer all their questions yeah. somehow <laughs> so whether it be through like powerpoint presentations or like documents that you put together mm-hmm. make sure that it answers all the questions that the funders want to know that you're doing right. um and then we could set we sent that to him and then he'd send it back with some feedback and say maybe think about doing this have you added this into it bit like a business plan so it had like finances in it and all this kind of stuff but then it meant that when it got sent off for a final decision it was sent off by him with a report saying this is why i think yeah which which just feels very different and then when we found out we had the funding it now feels like we're kind of working with him and and that organization like they want you to they're like we we like what you do and that's why we've decided to work with you yeah so what did you do to celebrate <laughs> this big grin on her face for weeks and weeks and weeks. I think we didn't quite believe it. <laughs> we did have we had one. It was a bit foolhardy. We had one um, meeting where we actually had to start organising this festival. But I was so excited that we got the funding. I was like, we've got to do something. And so I just came to this meeting with a bottle of love, like bubbly. <laughs> Just some Prosecco or something. I was like, come on. Yeah, we've got, <laughs> got to, to do something. Yeah. And I have to say, like, the week after, we were like, I'm not sure what we did in that meeting. It wasn't very, it wasn't very effective. <laughs> yes, but, but you've got to celebrate. Well done. Well, we have. And I think, but what we've done is we've tied ourselves up because we've kind of, like, straight away, as soon as we've got the funding, we we're like, and now we've got to do this festival. So, <laughs> so well um, done it getting it all together and sorted yeah we're a bit we're a bit busy at the moment we'll 
we'll probably be after the festival when we can just sit back and be like oh you know, first thing done. So is this the real first thing done with that stream of funding kind of thing? Is this the the first event? Yeah, that's right. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So this is kind of like a <laughs> massive bang start to... Yeah. Um, yeah, so when we wrote the funding application, we were like, oh, well, we might get the money in by April, in which case, of course, we can run a festival in July. But when you're actually in it, you're like, really? Uh, <laughs> but we're going to. So, that, yeah, this is the way that we're going to start. But that, it's great. It's a great way to announce yourself as a new organisation because here's something. People want to find out more. You're like, yes, come and meet us. Yeah. Come and see literally what we're doing yeah, right yes, now. Yes, exactly. And, yeah. and come and join us as well. There's an instant call out for volunteers. Um, and we have, um, you know, in the programme, we're working with a lot of local community groups and organisations, so pulling people into it so everyone kind of, you know, feels part of it. Yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> Which um, will I help, have... yeah, going yeah, forward. Yeah. <laughs> um, I, I mean, you've kind of um, already answered this one, but I'm, I'm sort of thinking how... Um, what would be your recommendations on if you were going to talk to someone else on how to live a sublime life? How, I don't know, maybe there are three tips for you to tell someone to kind of, who wants to maybe do something like you have. So I think um, it probably goes back to the beginning of that story about where this came from, which is... Um, yeah, not trying to copy what somebody else is doing, but find what authentically authentically you enjoy doing. Mm. Um, and so I suppose... Sometimes that in itself can take a while, a long time. Yeah, it really... <laughs> yeah, it's not to easy. To find yourself, because you're finding yourself, <laughs> aren't you? Because you, uh, you kind of go through university, get thrown into a job. Where's the space to kind of find yourself again? Well, yeah, exactly. And I, yes, so I think probably, in a way, I was quite fortunate that I got thrown into a circumstance by moving abroad where I didn't, and it was Western Australia, which is very isolated. So um, I didn't know anyone and I had no distractions. And I do remember thinking how liberating that was. I didn't have a list of friends who wanted to see me and catch up. I didn't have family who were inviting me to things that I could go to. I suddenly was had some time mm. that I could even with young kids that just without those distractions which sounds awful because those are the lovely things in life as well aren't they yeah. having friends and family but somehow shutting yourself away from those somehow but and also maybe giving yourself some space to be creative um and I did do some little bits of like art workshopping at that time with adults and it was really about um using a sketchbook maybe and how to just start recording, a bit like journaling, isn't it, I suppose? Mm -hmm. But you don't have to write it necessarily. But just start making a note of things which you notice, things around you. Sort of, It's like trying to find, like, what's, like you say, find yourself, but it's more like maybe what's your story? Yeah. Like, what are the things that are important to you? So if you're going to draw something what are you going to draw? I don't know what you're going to draw. I don't know why you're going to draw it. But maybe if you filled a book with all the things that you <laughs> noticed and, and took the time yeah. to draw or write about or photograph, um, then maybe when we did flick through that book, we, we, we would weave together a story and we would start to think, oh, look, yeah, 
Why are you noticing these things? This is kind yes. of and what things are repeating in here. What kind of what things are you? Advice. Yeah, what things are important to you, and how can we weave a story? Yeah, what a story what around that in the world is your mind filtering out onto this page? Yeah, and I think maybe that is what is very difficult. Like I'm like everybody else, a bit addicted to my phone, and <laughs> I'm constantly distracted by stuff. Um, and I probably don't give myself enough time to do that process um, at the moment. But I think that would probably be the biggest treat yeah. <laughs> that, you know, I would suggest that people can give to themselves, just even if it's half an hour a day, mm. something quite I mean, maybe, simple. Maybe less than that, you know. Or less, because, you know, yeah. five, even five minutes a day adds up to what at the end of the week? Yeah. And some people who just don't do this at all at the moment can at the end of one week have a little bit, just a little bit more? Yeah, I think so. And I think as well, trying to make it... So I think what I did was I made it a very everyday thing. So it's about not putting too much pressure on it, like, oh, I've got to (laughs) be in a special place and, Mm -hmm. you know, have all the doors closed, you know, before I can even begin. Mm. Um, It's like, you know, oh, I'm on the bus. What am I going to do for 20 minutes on the bus? Well, maybe I'll just... Just, you know, make some notes. Notice what I'm thinking about. Notice what I'm thinking about. Just write it down or look out the window. What do I see? What is it that's interesting to me as a person? Um, Yeah, and use that as a starting point. And I think, yeah, I think really that's um, partly why I gave up being an art teacher, actually, because I think what's um, valuable and meaningful about creativity is the process and what you learn about yourself or about the world through that process of um, of noticing noticing yeah. things and then and then I suppose the art is the ability to communicate that to other people whether you do it through drawing painting dance theatre arranging for events in a public park whatever your means of communication (laughs) is or cooking or having a party or whatever all those things are a form of art if what you're doing is communicating something Mm. meaningful and then you're i suppose what you're doing is putting your passion well finding your passion and then putting your passion into your life kind of in in what you do and your work yeah, and I think in that way, everyone can be then an inspiration to other people, isn't it? And it's kind of that openness about it, you know. I really think that's important as well about that creativity. Is Yes, it's introspective in a way. Um, what do I notice? But then you know what? I think that's why real art is really valuable because, you know, if you can spend that time being introverted, whether it's writing a novel maybe, you know, people who are really intense and on their own, but what they come to is that core human universal at something which is why we read other people's novels and we recognize ourselves in them because Mm. i think if you can be authentic and honest with yourself then you'll find that you have something that other people will connect with because you've you've said something true (laughs) of course yeah um is there anything else that you have thought about that you want to say or I suppose that we are, yeah, just to reiterate that we're in a, um, we're in a position now where we're really keen to reach out and bring in people to our company and the projects that we're running. Mm-hmm. Um, we are working at the moment, obviously in this festival, um, and then we are also 
interested in uh, working around the Etruria area and then also um, East Fenton are two other locations where we're interested in working at the moment. Uh, so what things are we looking for? We're looking for disused green spaces. <laughs> if people have any kind of think, oh, there's this place down the road okay. and I wonder whether something could happen there or groups of people maybe mums who've got kids and think oh I'd just like to that's the kind of thing I'd like to do with my kids and I, I know like me and my mates would like to set something like that up but we're not quite sure where to start then just get in touch with us and we're always really happy to talk and to um, bring you in and maybe there's some different skills that you could do or you could just work with us for a little bit and get some confidence and then be able to set up your own you know, informal or formal activities. Yeah. Very um, entrepreneurial. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> entrepreneurial. And also, um, yeah, we just, we don't want to like be the only ones who can do this. We're, we're sort of, you know, although like this is our real focus. So we're really focused in this. We're a little bit nerdy about it. Um, because we like reading all the research and like <laughs> understanding exactly exactly why we're doing what we're doing but essentially what we end up doing is very simple things which you know we just want to pass on that message that um, it is about the simple things and that um, it's about empowering you know empowering children young people and families to feel like um, they can I think most people want to be out there and feeling a bit more free yeah. and just enjoying themselves, being a bit more joyful and just to give that empowering message and just say yes. <laughs> yes, and if you need any support, then then come and ask us. We're always friendly. Laurel, thank you. That has been so lovely and interesting and inspirational. <laughs> and if you've liked listening to this, then maybe you can consider subscribing. Thank you, Laurel. Thank you very much, Hayley. It's been a pleasure.